This is episode 21, and you're listening to Crying Over Spilt Milk. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. This week's episode is about gossip, and I wanted to start um, at the beginning, like normal, but I, I kind of want to talk about gossip because um, anybody who knows me knows that I love a chit-chat, okay? I love a spilling of tea, share me, tell me the goods, I love a life update, and often, you know, these conversations around gossip happen and are framed that it's like only women, you know what I mean? Like growing up in high, uh, not in high school, but like growing up, I remember um, having conversations and you would really hear people talking about the ways that like women would gossip. And when you were like listening to people describe the action that was happening, you know, communication, um, it was not only something that women did, right? So the act of talking to your friends and sharing information is not limited to just women. And I want to say that I know that for a fact because um, I have a lot of guy friends and um, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not a pick me or one of those, oh my God, I just gel better with guys. But no, I've, I've had um, probably my longest friendships have been with guys. And so it's like, I've obviously um, been in a lot of different situations with them and, you know, listened to a lot of conversations. We've had tons of conversations, tons and tons of conversations. And a lot of these conversations that we're having, um, not talking about content, whether it's good or bad, but it's us talking about either our intimate lives or intimate lives of like people around us or like, you know what I mean? Like things that are happening in the world, things that would be classified as gossip. And yet we don't title or label men under that same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that there's a difference um, based on the way that like men and women are socialized in society. So it's not because of um, like biology or something, but really the socialization of men and women in society that it's like, Women are like demonized for gossiping. Anyway, that is my big long intro spiel to launch right into what I want to talk about. And so gossip, sort of where does this word come from? I'm going to offer about three different definitions. Two of them are very similar to each other and the other one isn't to just highlight what gossip is and kind of where did we get this word gossip. So it originally comes from this old British dialect meaning godparent. Um, but later it assumes these sort of new meanings that we recognize today. So a person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about others, um, known as gossip, um, or a conversation to report about other people's private lives that might be unkind, disproving, or not true. So um, sentences or phrases that we would hear with the word gossip in it would include the worst gossip in town, spreading gossip about their divorce, and their breakup was common gossip. Um, one thing I want to mention is that, like, it is very evident that gossip is not supposed to be positive. And I think that this is interesting, really and truly, because um, the act of, like, appropriating language and, like, taking it back and all of that is really interesting to me. And I'm not saying that I've necessarily appropriated the word gossip back in, but I don't think I ever until recently really understood um, the weight of the word gossip. I mean, like, obviously, if somebody had said to me, like, oh, Zoe, are you gossiping right now? Like, 
and I, I knew that what I was saying. So I think at a, like a subconscious level, I understood that like gossip would be referring to something bad, but I don't think I overtly looked at gossip as something that is negative now, possibly because of the socialization of women and that I sat here and probably thought that like, I'm supposed to gossip, but I think it's interesting that, um, Right in this definition, it's about the possibility, right? Like, yes, it uses the word might. So, you know, leaving the potential for it to be the opposite, but might be unkind, disproving or untrue. So there's an emphasis on the idea that the information that is being shared is not official, right? Like it's it's not right. It's not true. It's a lie, maybe, possibly fabrication of the truth, right? But at, the, but at its base, it's not the truth. It's not the whole truth, <laughs> And um, something, other word I wanted to offer a definition of in the beginning, just because I will be talking about it a little bit later, is the patriarchy. Um, so the patriarchy uh, is a form of social organization in which the father is supreme authority in the family, clan, or tribe, and descendants are recognized by the male line with the children belonging to the father's clan or tribe. It's the idea that men are in power in society. And so let us talk about the history of gossip, right? We're dating back to the 12th century. The Old English derived the word gossip. So that's G-O-D-S-I-B-B. So God, like Godzib, Godzib. <laughs> Not gossip, Godzib. Or godmother, godfather, or sibling and clan, right? So it's the Old English term basically used to describe the godparent of one's child or the parents of one's godchild. So we're really trying to drive home the idea that like this person is very close to the family, possibly a family friend, but like very close to the family. And more importantly, it was often applied to women's female friends that were invited or present at the birth. And I thought that was so interesting because here we are seeing that um, like a term that was like used primarily for women and in this origin being positive, right? Like imagine now, I think we all know there are like tons of opinions floating around about whether or not people want to be giving birth themselves now, um, today. However, <laughs> I think it's interesting that like this term godsib, godsib, not gossip, godsib, was used for women. And here they are in this moment of like bonding, right? Like how, how, I don't know. I think that's like some sort of bonding experience to sit there and watch your friend give birth. I've never done it, so can't can't speak to that. But I have watched a couple of videos um, of people giving birth. I remember my mom showed me one when I was like really, really young. And it just made me say, yeah, that will not be for me. Actually, I think for the longest time, my parents were under the impression that I was not going to be birthing children myself. Um, because I think I had like reacted after and been like, I will never have children. Never. So the meaning and um, the term gradually change along with society's views throughout the years, right? So we're seeing that um, the church was known to literally use this word uh, for good initially, right? It was recorded in the um, in an English bishop bishop's name Wolfstan's like sermon, and he was talking about gossip or gossip, right? Like very interesting. During the 17th century till about the early 19th century, the meaning changed and it's beginning to be referred to somebody who is engaging in idle chat, right? So someone who is sharing secrets. It wasn't at its origin uh, connected with any derogatory connotations. And yet we're seeing the shift start to happen. 
And so something we can see uh, about how gossip was viewed, right? We saw in the beginning that it was something that was done between close friends, siblings and people, you know, like people had to do it. And then we started to see it change into something that is a form of bonding or showing affection, right? Like I'm sharing this special information with you and you're sharing special information with me. Or private, right? Like I'm privy to this information because of our relationship with each other. Not because I'm entitled to the relation, the information because of the origin of the information, but because of the friendship that the person that is sharing said information to me. And so it was also sort of seen as like a form of therapy, like especially for women who had to stay home all day, like imagine that. And so then we have the middle age comment. So people would host friendship meetings where they had a chance to talk about current events and updates in their lives. Like people would talk about all things from like life partners to political issues. Um, but think something I think that is important that we have to kind of look at is the gendering of gossip. Um, and I make a point to say this and more even just the conversation of, and we talk about the gendering of like so many things because we start to realize that like at the root of a lot of things, they're basic. The basic like understanding of gossip was about a godparent. And then it transferred like the intimate sharing of knowledge, basically, right? Like you're sharing details, whether it's yours or maybe it's about somebody that you know with somebody that you know. And then later we're starting to see that gossip is being gendered, right? Like there's a shift and women are continuing to continue these friendship groups, right? And they're growing. Always a problem, okay? People in power get nervous when groups grow. <laughs> so um, slowly resentment is starting to build for these women friendship, right? Like they're being demonized. And there's this worry that women will turn their backs on the rules of society, right? That if they continue to meet up and chat together with like together about their lives, they'll rebel. Thinking interesting yet again, because rebel against what? If we were in the oh so great society that, you know, everybody claims to be, what was there to be rebelling against? Why didn't you want the girls to sit around and chat? Was there something you didn't want them chatting about? Hmm. Anyway, so as this like resentment is starting to grow, you know, they these women start to become the target for hatred and anger, right? I'm talking about literally being called witches. Not bitches, witches. <laughs> so um, men have the privilege at this time of being able to gossip in private, right? They get to be labeled as politicians and noblemen and spies. <laughs> and... What we see is that there's a law being made against women who gossip. In 1547, a proclamation was issued forbidding women to meet together to babble and talk, right? So ordering men, husbands specifically, to keep their wives in their houses. Um, if women didn't rejoice in their newfound captivity, they would be putting themselves at risk and they would be accused of being a rich, a witch. And during trials, they were encouraged um, under the penalty of torture to snitch on their friends, sisters, mothers, and daughters. So punishment was not limited to just women that gossiped, right? I'm, I'm going to name a few. But honestly, women who stood against authority. And I think that for me, gossip seems to be almost this tool used to oppress women. And here we are talking about women on a whole, just women, right? And I, I, it makes you think about the ways that like, different groups of women, like marginalized different women, like black women, for instance, like how vital gossip would have been for them in their community. And, um, you know, I'm going to expand on that a bit later, but I, I, I want to make note that like punishments included scold, scolds bridal, right? 
death by drowning, and even immolation. So I looked that up because I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> um, so for those of me or you who are like me, um, immolation, immolation, sorry, immolation is to kill or destroy by fire. I genuinely think death by fire or drowning would be the worst thing ever, like ever. So I would like to throw a name to you guys. Silvia Federici is an Italian and American scholar, teacher, activist, basically radical when it came to the autonomous of feminist Marxist tradition, right? But she was quoted saying, female friendships were one of the targets of the witch hunts. It was in the context that gossip turned from a word of friendship and affection into a world of denigration and ridicule. So I'm backtracking a little bit. The Scold's Bridal. I want to talk about that and kind of explain what it was, what it looked like, and, and what, what happened. Like, what is it? So scold was a legal term used for people, specifically women, who disrupted or disturbed their neighbor's peace with quarreling, gossip, salacious speech, or brawling, right? So it was actually illegal <laughs> to use this brittle to punish people who were chose, or sorry, who were charged with this. But like we've seen often in history, this does not stop people. So instead, we're seeing that local magistrates in like Scotland and England are often using them around the 16th and century, 16th and 17th century. And so the mask was made of several strips of iron that surrounded an iron muzzle that would be wrapped around a woman's face, right? So this was like a full face covering. Um, a small piece of iron would then be placed on a woman's, um, in a woman's mouth. And this was known as the brittle bit. Uh, the pressure that the brittle bit had would prevent, you know, women from speaking. That pressure on the tongue, like, honestly, I couldn't imagine having this mass fixated to my face that, like, press on my tongue and restrict me from speaking. Like, wow. Um, and so let's say a man heard that his wife had been engaging in a round of gossip. He would literally secure this mask to her face, like as a consequence, as some sort of like lesson for her to learn. And to make the like wearing of the mask even more embarrassing, a husband would attach a leash to it and literally walk his wife around for a walk of shame around town. In fact, I would not be surprised if the term walk of shame came from that right there. So typically, passerbyers would be allowed to spit or insult the wife. Now, as we've seen um, in recent news, uh, don't mess with certain people when it comes to their wives. Uh, they wouldn't have allowed passerbyers to spit and insult their wives, but, but crazy how this happened. So to make this punishment even more humiliating, a bell would literally be attached to draw more attention. Like, could you imagine walking around? You have this like iron mass fixed to your face. You're attached to a leash being like walked by your husband. And now you have a bell. So everybody in town can know that you, my friend, gossip. You're a gossiper. And you're wrong for that, right? Like, like you are on the level, like your gossiping is on the level of being a witch. And even then, we understand that like a lot of these conversations about like calling women witches really was a fear of anything that was different and honestly a way to like police women and, and keep them oppressed and do as we say as men. But I actually want to make a point to say this. 
the school's bridal was like brittle, sorry, was not new at all, right? Like this design, here we are, or me really horrified by this invention or the fact that people would even do this. Now, this isn't new to me, the way that like bells and head cages have been used to dehumanize, humiliate, um, oppress, pick any other word you want, um, enslave black people. But this, this, this face mask that was used to punish women was based off hedge cages that were used for hundreds of years to punish and control enslaved black people, right? Like their punishment with head, head cages literally lasted until almost the 19th century, hundreds of years. And so here we are reinstating the idea that the, the actions and practices of slavery in history is horrific and that nobody has the right or should ever feel themselves to open their mouths and fix their mouth to say that slavery wasn't that bad or that like, you know, the effects of slavery, we can't see them in other places. The effects of slavery, of the, the dehumanization of black people one of the practices and tools of oppression that they used was head cages. And those very head cages were later used against white women, right? And when they were accused of witches and when they were demonized for gossiping and having conversations, they used head cages that were based off of um, head cages that were used against uh, enslaved black people. So here we spend most of the time talking about all the cons and all the bad things they thought about gossip. But what, what are the benefits, you say? Zoya, spread some joy on this episode. Um, I think what people, you know, forget to talk about is the way that gossip has been linked to grooming practices. It's kind of weird. But like the idea that grooming practices are bonding, right? Like you can bond through them um, with like that primates engage with, uh, gossip in the same way for our society has been used as a way, a form of bonding, right? Like think about when you meet new people, a lot of times you talk about, you just shoot the shit and start talking about things that you have in connection with each other. You gossip a little, talk about the things that you know, a form of bonding, a way to communicate. And it gives humans the ability to spread valuable information through large networks, right? Like Gossip is vital. As much as we've acted like this, this frivolous thing, gossip is vital to the movement of valuable information that is not legitimized by official stories. And so here's the part where I like tap into my academics and my school. Um, and I'm going to talk about this reading that I read in class. And so I'm taking this um, trans epistemology like archives class and we're talking about um, the way that Archiving happens. When I tell you, I came into this class ground zero. I knew nothing. In fact, I barely knew what an archive was. Like, sure, you could have said the word. And if somebody had asked me in like another class, I probably would have raised my hand and been like, mm, an archive is this. But here I am in an archive class. All of a sudden, babes, I don't know what an archive is. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about this article specifically. It's called What's the Tea? Gossip and the Production of Black Gay Social History. So Kwame Holmes um, wrote about how historians were able to see how reluctant, you know, the history of sexuality, basically, right? So gossip is functioning as an archive for experiences, 
right? Like, think about this. People are talking to each other about their experiences. Think about your own friendships, right? Like, you had a night out. It was great. It was fun. Who are you calling first to tell them about your night? Your friends. And what are you telling your friends about your night? Your feelings, your experiences, your emotions, your memories, right? Um, sorry, I got a little excited because we spend a lot of time in class talking about this thing called ephemera, uh, memories, and we talk about space a lot. And so uh, I think it's really interesting when like I'm in other aspects of my life and I like connect these thoughts and I'm like, oh my God, are my professors happy? Are you happy? I'm doing academics in my life. But anyway, um, but when you're talking to your friends on the phone, you're talking about your memories, your feelings, and your experiences. And so one thing that is almost central to, you know, listening to your friends talk is that doesn't necessarily have to be true, right? Like I know when I talk to my friends, um, I'm a journalist, so obviously everything that I say is true and accurate. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But like I often, you know, sometimes I'll exaggerate in a conversation because it adds to the story that I'm telling to my friends, right? I might say, guys, there was literally nobody in the classroom and maybe there was only two people, but maybe there was literally nobody. But it's almost like the feeling that I had becomes more important than the actual events that happened, right? Like I'm not necessarily following an official story and yet the things that I'm saying hold value. So, when we're talking about like gossip being useful for archiving, it almost becomes necessary for groups of people that don't get to have official stories, right? So let's think about people that don't get reported on, that don't get, you know, talked to, that don't get to share their stories or like these are the experiences that we're hearing now. Like think about what it would have been like to be black and gay in like the early 30s. Okay, now the early 40s, now the early 50s. Now, like, keep moving as time is progressing and thinking about the ways that the world is changing, but think about the ways that we're, like, recording things and we're, like, archiving and documenting things. A lot of times we don't, right? Like, we're not archiving these things because they're not holding value in our society. And that's not a, a, um, a decision or an opinion made by me per se, but by people in society that would hold positions of power. And so gossip, it, it's important to talk about the ways that it doesn't follow an official story. And so gossip in that way, because it's not following the official story, which I want to point out, official doesn't mean true, right, or like good. It just means like the, uh, let me pull up a definition, I'll find one. <laughs> Right? So it's relating to an authority or a public body and its duties, actions, and responsibilities. That's all it is. At no point is it really talking about the idea that these things are true. And so colonial states have a power when it comes to these official stories because they get to tell whatever they want. I'm writing a paper in one of my other classes about how, you know, journalism and journalists specifically play a vital role in the way that we form and shape opinions in this world, right? Like if we, for instance, would go to an event like, you know, the trucker occupation and say, I am not gonna write or, or um, document or report on any of the white supremacist like values, flags, symbols, and yada, yada. I am only gonna write about the ways that, um, 
temperature is really cold and, you know, that there are children at this event, something like that, right? Like you could write that. And so if journalists, as we are, you know, like the fourth pillar of democracy, but like journalists become the leading authority when it comes to reporting and telling the stories on the events that happen at the convoy, it becomes almost important and paramount that you have somebody else telling another story. You need somebody there telling the unofficial story about the ways that there were hate symbols there, the way that, you know, people were being harassed versus both verbally and physically. You have to talk about the horns that, you know, were going off. You have to talk about the ways that, you know, businesses were being ransacked and like destroyed. Now, it not being like that story I just told you, right? The truth, you could call it, but like that not being the official story doesn't take away from the events that happen. And that not being the official story doesn't take away from reporters being able to say that this is the official story, that the convoy was just a bunch of gentle giants. And so, like I said, gossip almost becomes vital. It establishes the idea that like these groups of people exist regardless of whether or not like the powers in place are going to talk about it. So gay people, for instance, do you know how long people were pretending like people weren't gay? In fact, I think it's funny that we look back now and we'll say like, people will make a joke and be like, oh, so-and-so is gay. And people are like, no, no, you can't say that. No, 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 you can't say they're not, they're gay because like, we don't know. But in the same way, we didn't know they were straight. And actually, the more we learn about the ways that, you know, society has to hide their true identities and, you know, the way that we demonize certain actions, which I'd like to point out, you know, was the work of white supremacy. But gossip becomes vital. Gossip in that way almost becomes a counter narrative, right? These are the languages that we're using in these papers and in these readings and in these conversations. But counter narrative alternate story, gossip, unofficial, like these are all the same sort of things. This is tea, my babes, okay? This is the real tea. And and so historical narratives, no matter their validity, right? They police, they police those who don't align with white, cis, male, cisgendered, able-bodied and heteronormative ideals, right? So settler colonial um, states have separated blackness and queerness that you had to have gossip about it. I mean, that's why I've said it before in other episodes, but it's like, that's why these conversations about, you know, attribution and crediting when it comes to black innovation, sorry, hiccups, is so important to me because if we don't talk about this things, if we don't um, give credit where credit is due, it will not exist to us. It will literally not exist to us. And so I think... You know, we have to unlearn these things. We have to work past it. Now, what's my takeaway for this episode? Um, I'm sort of saying this because my mother said to me one time, she was like, yeah, like you need to like tell people like what they need to learn. And I'm like, oh my gosh, teacher Zoya or, or Professor Zoya, Professor Davis. <laughs> anyway, um, I think I think really it's like just the idea of decolonizing and degendering what we talk about. It is clear that like gossip isn't even that bad. I just mean like at its root, it's just people talking, communication. What people talk about, sure, that's always gonna be a problem, but that's the same with anything. I mean, it could be what people write about, what people sing about, what people dance about, what people like 
make art about, right? Like that's always going to be an issue. Context is important. But like the mode in which the context is happening isn't the issue. And yet we somehow figured that like it is a woman's issue for gossiping. And guess what, guys? It's really bad. But it's not. And I think we have to look at the ways that gossip is important for people like in the black community or other communities, right? Like marginalized communities. Think about, for instance, when it comes to safety. If there is an unofficial story, like I'm thinking, hmm, okay, I mean, like pick a raid, right? Like we had, what we were having unofficial stories would be like, hey guys, this is the club to go to so that you'd be in a safe space, right? Like other gay people are going to be here. Let's meet up. Let's chill. Let's hang out. And that would have been based, like, done off of gossip. And you would have needed that gossip to go to places where you would have been safe. Because you have state powers that don't even want you around, your existence. Your very existence is literally a threat to them. So I say gossip more. Um, so if you guys have any real cool tea you want to tell me, <laughs> my DMs are open. Let me know the tea. Let me know the goods. Spill it. So crying over spilt tea, should you cry? Maybe. But crying over gossip um, and being labeled as a gossip, as far as I'm concerned, uh, somebody just called you a revolutionary. Go about your business and revolutionize. Well, that was this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on our socials, um, Black Sprout, That's B-L-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure to join the newsletter. As always, interact with the podcast and please let me know your thoughts. Let yourself be heard. Um, My inbox is always open. Stay tuned for the next one. Bye.